Welcome to Two Old Bulls. My name is Tom and I'm joined by my partner, Paul. Together we have 35 years of combined sales and management experience. On Two Old Bulls, Paul and I will interview a variety of guests from all types of backgrounds. Our goal is to entertain, inform, and help you grow in whatever you do. So welcome to Two Old Bulls. Now let's get started. So how's it going, Paul? Oh, it's a great morning here, Tommy. Sun is shining. I'm looking forward to a wonderful day. Yeah, my wife's in Mexico. I'm uh, all alone and dangerous. So I've already had some good uh, stuff in the system here. Coffee, smoothie. I'm fired up. Hey, this next guest is, uh, I'm excited. Uh, known him forever. And uh, real excited for him to tell the story. Uh, he's from Yukon, Oklahoma, uh, which I was there recently. I'm from that area. Graduated from the University of Oklahoma. Um, he's had three jobs, uh, getting out of college, Intervoice one year, inner city ministry in Dallas four years. And he started when he was a young age of 28 years old, try win direct. He has a great wife, which I will tell you, she's awesome. Three kids, Courtney, who's in grad school at Samford, not Stanford, Samford University, Lindsay, junior at Texas A&M, and I know him as Venomous, but his name is Bobby, who finished his junior year in high school, which when I look at Bobby, I, I see Scott, basically, this little uh, piss and vinegar guy that... Uh, is confident and uh, stocky, but yet he's getting taller. But this gentleman is Scott Fish. So welcome, Scott, to Two Old Bulls. Hey, Tom and Paul. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Scott, looking forward to it. This is uh, new for me. I've read some of the bullet points. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, hearing you talk about them. So right out of the gate, Scott, uh I don't know that's been documented with uh, really, I'm sure Robin knows she was there in the trenches with you, but how many people really know uh, your story? I, I want you to go back to, to uh, I guess, when you were in that inner city ministry. What When did you decide, like, eh, there's got to be more to this life, and I'm going to dive into something else? Tell us the, the, the journey. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I think that that it, you know, it's just real, real business, humble beginnings. I think 28 years later, I can, I have been called an overnight success story, right? But it's, it's 28 years of, of hard work and, and trying to figure it out. And I was working at inner city ministry down in South Dallas and working with kids down there and absolutely loved it. Um, and spent four years down there at a high school, James Madison High School, and we're still involved um as a volunteer and we also support them and send a bunch of their kids to camp um Kanakuk every summer but I was down there working working with kids and and barely barely scratching a living barely making any money and that's that's not the place you go to to uh make a lot of money is working in inner city ministry but I was I was down there working with kids and had been down there about four years and had met my wife 
uh, Robin, we were excited about getting married and, and um, I had always uh, envisioned myself having a business, starting a business. And I knew the inner city ministry opportunity was just a, a time I could do it in my life where I didn't have to make any money. I didn't have kids and I could just uh, devote time and energy down there working with, with other kids and helping other kids without uh, the need to make uh, a lot of money. So was down there and had gotten married and uh, my wife, her dad actually is very entrepreneurial, owns a bunch of sonic drive-ins that was started there out of Oklahoma City. So he owns a bunch of sonic drive-ins in Nashville, Tennessee area. And she had, he's owned car dealerships and he's owned different ranches and he's just owned a bunch of different, he's, he's a dentist by uh, trade but he's always been doing entrepreneurial things on the side and trying to figure, figure that out, which the Sonics have been a total success for him. But uh, we had gotten married again, hardly making anything. And she said, now, now seems like it's the time to uh, start the business. Cause I'd been talking about that. So one of the volunteers in the, that inner city ministry, he owned an ad agency and his dad owned a printing company. And so I was talking to him about I was I was needing to do something else and needed to actually start making a living since I was married now. And he said, well, why don't you start a mailing company? And I, you know, it's just kind of like Paul, me telling telling you, why don't you start a, a speaker company? And you know what a speaker is, <clears throat> but you don't know how to make it. You don't have any money for it. You don't have any 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 real resources or or uh, knowledge on how to get a speaker business off the ground. Well, that's how I was about a direct mail and printing company. But <clears throat> anyway, I started researching it, started trying to figure, figure it out a little bit. Um, and then probably I had, had, had put my resignation in for my job um, that I was, I was working there. And, and just out of our second, second, uh, story apartment complex in the village in Dallas, Texas, I started a printing and direct mail company. So super, super humble beginnings. A lot of people talk about being able to start out of their garage. Well, I didn't even have a garage. So we, um, we, just, we just started it out of that. And I really am surprised 28 years later, we, we were able to make it there. I had to figure out the business, how to, had to, uh, start hiring some people. We'd print, we'd print jobs up with uh, Avery labels. And then, and then I'd, I'd go out and sell some jobs. And this is like the local cleaners or the local restaurant or bar or something like that. And we'd do 300 pieces or 500 pieces for them. And we'd, we'd print it up on my little, little printer in my apartment. And then we'd put labels on it and, and um, send them out. So that was, <clears throat> that was just really my humble, humble start. Um, I mean, fast forward it 28 years later, we're on average, we do 2 million pieces a day. So it's the kind of business where um, you check your mailbox and, and, and it's, it's usually full every day. Well, a lot of, a lot of mail that we do are like uh, statements and financial companies and things like that. That's what we have evolved into. Uh, again, 28 years later. 
Yeah, that's 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 impressive. I I knew a little bit, but I didn't know the details. So uh, it's interesting going back what you said earlier. Uh, you said made a comment. I always I always knew I wanted to have my own business, and so expand on that a little bit. I mean, okay, when you say I always was this like college high school i mean when did you know i mean you hear the you hear these stories about entrepreneurs and what is that anyway like unpack that i don't even know what that means when somebody says i always knew i wanted to right <clears throat> yeah i think that you know growing up growing up i was always selling something um you know just just trying to figure out how to how to make a little money doing a side hustle, doing something like that. And so I always enjoyed that and always had that, that uh, mentality and thought and then was able to see like my future father-in-law kind of have his, his business. And I liked his, his lifestyle also where he had some freedom in his schedule and freedom in his lifestyle. And he got to be the, he got to be the boss and I wanted to, to, kind of be the boss of my domain also. Yeah. And, um, I like to build stuff. I think that's a major component. Really like to build stuff and, and like to see something come from nothing, right? See see growth come from nothing. And um that's that that all just kind of lined up uh, for for me. I think one of the one of the you know people come to me now and they're like 50 years old. And they go, hey, I like I like what you're doing, right? I like what you're doing. It seems like you've got a lot of money, and it doesn't seem like you have to work very much. So, I'd like I'd like that lifestyle. And then, you know, I'm always like, well, you know, I went five years, my first five years without taking a paycheck, right? My first five years I worked, and I'm working like a lot of hours a week, like 90 hours a week. And I went five years working 90 hours a week without taking a paycheck. And and somebody at 50 years old usually is not in that position to be able to go to an extended amount of time without taking a paycheck. Um, and because they've got they've got, you know, kids and they've got payments and they've got houses and things like that. I think the time in my life, it was a great time in my life to be able to do it because my wife's a physical therapist. And so she could be the sugar mama and uh make money for us and we could we could eat we could have an apartment and then i could i could try to figure this out so i had yeah. about a five-year runway to figure it out it's interesting uh i think about that as well uh not at your scale people oh i want to get into sales yeah you got, you got a boat or whatever it looks like you're doing well i'm like no wait a minute what what are you doing here you're wanting to get into sales because you want a boat or what, what 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 wait a minute here and i and i think what you're saying is to these people yeah they're seeing the fruits of your labor scars on your face and you know all this stuff and what you're trying to say to them is how bad do you want it and you can't just show up and be where i'm at right and maybe they're maybe they're super sharp i haven't i haven't you know, it, it took me five years to be able to make a paycheck, right, to be able to make a monthly paycheck. And it wasn't a huge paycheck either, but it took me five years to be able to do that because I was 
our my business is a is a machine. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of machinery involved, and so machinery costs money, and so I just wasn't able to to take money because I was I was buying machinery at that at that time time period. Kind of a funny story, Tom, is that, is that I went down to the bank because I, I knew I needed some machines, right? I knew I needed an inkjetter and I knew I needed a printer and there's the folders and things like that. I needed some machines to make this business go. And so I went down to the local bank and talked to them and, and said, hey, I you know would love to have a loan. And they said, well, you don't, you know, they looked at my paperwork and interviewed me and talked to me and they said, you don't make any, you know, you don't have any money. We can't loan you anything. And I said, well, you know, that's what I'm. That's what I'm here for, right? That's that's my whole whole reason for being here. And they were like, "Well, we can't can't do it." So that's that's one of the important things in in my story is that inability to get a loan early on for a heavy equipment dependent business has been so beneficial for me. So we just would make we do some jobs and do them by hand. We're doing everything by hand at this point. And we do some jobs and make some money and we'd save a little bit of money and then we buy a piece of equipment. And then we do some more jobs and save a little more money and buy another piece of equipment. So for the last three years, the minimum I have spent on equipment uh, is $2 million per year. And we're able to do that. Just it, it's carried for, forward now. Twenty-eight years later, right? We're we're still paying cash for all of our equipment, which puts us in such a great situation because a lot of our competitors they have to get loans for for uh, their machines, and if they have a down down month or something, then they're having a problem making their loan payments. So. That was that was something earlier that I thought was tragic that was happening to me that really turned out to be a a, a blessing in disguise for me. So you were lean and mean and dug this out of the dirt basically, and and the whole time you didn't get uh, in a situation where you were suffocating in debt. Is 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 what you're saying? Hey, Paul, do you have any comments? Yeah, what's amazing to me is you know you're talking what 27, 28 years ago. And, and, you know, I remember when I first went for my loans at the bank, the banks were a lot freer at that time. Now, I know you were going for some bigger, expensive items, but think about it today with what you've got to go through for a loan. I mean, I just refinanced in the last four or five years, and it was amazing the hoops I had to jump through, even though at the same bank, I had a lot of my IRAs where I had triple the money I was going after. It, it just was crazy. So that I, I think that's outstanding. It just and obviously why you're successful. So Scott, uh, so you you told us the chapter one, chapter two of the the business. At what point did you and Robin look at each other and say, "Okay, let's get out of here. We're going to get our first building." Yeah, well, it it actually happened pretty quick, and that's kind of a funny story. Is that I'm out making sales calls, um, trying to talk to the cleaners and the bars and the restaurants and the and the things like that. Of anybody who might be possibly needing print work and and mailing work, so I'm out making calls there. And I talked to a guy at an ad agency, and 
And I didn't, you know, left him a card and didn't, didn't think anything really about it. I'm just out knocking on doors. It's, it's literally going door to door and just trying to, trying to sell, sell my product. And so I come home for lunch and Robin's there having lunch and she's just, just freaking out. She's out on our balcony and, and she's like looking for me. And, and so I, I pull up and go upstairs and I see a, I see a big truck in our parking lot at the, at the apartment complex too. And, and she's like, this guy, this job came in, this guy's got 19 pallets of material and he's, he's dropping them right now. And you gotta, you gotta do something. So I, I contacted every friend that I had that could get away from their job. And we spent the next four hours. This is an apartment complex too, second story apartment complex. And we got 19 pallets worth of collateral and material up, up to our upstairs bedroom. Oh, geez. And so for, for about a two week time period, we just, we had a, a pathway to our bathroom, a pathway to our, our bed and a pathway to our refrigerator. And every other area was covered in boxes. And then I hired a crew to come in and they'd come in all during the day. And then I hired a crew for second shift too, but basically just the, the nighttime. And so for about a two week time period, we just assembled, assembled this job and put it together and then, and then carried it, carried it out during the, during night. So I'm surprised that our, our tenants below us didn't, didn't turn us in, but they didn't turn us in. We were able to complete that job. And so right after that, I had to find, I had to find a building at that point. So what I'm hearing uh, with your story, I'm trying to pull out characteristics of Scott Fish and Robin, because let's don't forget Robin's there. <laughs> she, she, she's, <laughs> what's that? A vital part of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like this is uh, Scott Fish. This is a married couple, young couple. What I think about is number one, I think about, work ethic and i think about the grit i think about the adversity i think about the focus and the just the drive of all of that and you know i i, I read and hear other entrepreneurs out there it seems to be that is a common characteristic because if you didn't have that there's no way you'd have battled through all that right Right. Those were those were some long days. I, I think one of the I think this is kind of an interesting I'm, I'm in a business group with a bunch of guys that, that own businesses and started their own businesses. And one of the the things that I see and, and it was absolutely true in my case. Um, whenever I started a business, I didn't have a lot of other opportunities. It's not like I was, you know really good i'm not really good in a lot of a lot of things specifically other than leading and and maybe casting vision and and managing people and things like that so it's not like i was a good you know could get an accounting job somewhere or it's not like so it's 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 kind of like that that story about you know the ship and then they burn the ships at the end it's like i had to succeed right i didn't have any other any other options i could get a job somewhere right and, 
hardly make anything and, and not build anything. But I knew this was my opportunity. This was my chance. This was my timing. It just worked in our timing. We didn't have kids. We didn't have anything other than apartment and our cars were paid off. And, and this was, this was it. This was, uh, and I just, I woke up with that mentality that I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen mentality every day. And I did that every day for just, I didn't, I didn't let the brakes off for about 15 years. I worked long hours, long time and worked very, very hard, very passionate about it. I um, was able to listen to your, your pod podcast and and loved loved hearing Bill Clement. Yeah, and he was great, just absolutely great. And and I I actually I wrote this down and sent it to my my kids also because I think it's so true. He said enthusiasm and determination are true tra- are two traits you can develop to achieve whatever you want out of life. And I thought that was great. I, I, I think I think Bill was a terrific guest of yours, and and just those words are so great. I actually I I went back and listened to it again, wrote it down, and then sent it to my kids because really to start a business like that you've got to have a lot of enthusiasm, and and you're talking about talking about grit, and and grit's kind of a popular popular word right now uh, because the the book that's that's written on it, but enthusiasm and grit being the determination. Um, those are those are two of the traits that I came in with, and 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 my dream was to have a, a business, and of course my dream was to have a business to be able to support my family. That was my one goal. That's what I wanted. Yeah. So you 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 had the why in your belly, why you're doing it. You also had this one way street. You knew you weren't going to turn the car around, so you didn't give yourself an out. It was like this is it. I have to just, I'm going to grind it and grind it and grind it. And, uh, that's what you did. So, okay. So then we fast forward, uh, to this, I don't know, almost peak of the mountain of, of, of Tri-Win. Uh, uh, my, my son has, uh, interned at your place. I've been in your place. I've walked around. So kind of take is now we're going to fast forward um, I, one of the things that I talked to my son about that he was like massively impressed was the culture that you've built. So I want to shift over to that a little bit. And I, before you start talking about that, I want you to be specific on what you do for the listeners as to things that work and maybe things that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the, the the goal. I think I think in my discussion, hopefully it's helpful to someone that's either thinking about starting a business or in the middle of starting a business or as we're all trying to grow and adjust is all the people that are business owners are, are trying to just trying to improve. I always I always listen to different podcasts whenever I'm traveling and 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 try to pick out a, a few nuggets. Well, I I, I do have some some things I have learned to make uh, my company, I think, a really good, a really good company. I think our numbers are really good. We're we're about forty five million dollars uh, in sales on a yearly basis, and it's and that that 
really doesn't mean anything. A lot of people that that don't own businesses that, you know, I mean, yeah, that's a big number. That's a big, big number of sales. That's great. But it's really about profitability. So we've got a company that is really profitable on that amount of sales, which is is the most important thing. You can't buy equipment. You can't give bonuses. You can't do anything unless you have that profit. So really wanted wanted to build this company that had a lot of profitability because we could do a lot of good good stuff with it. Um, and so, you know, we we're just we're just the the industry we're in you've got to understand too is a declining industry right this is this is printing and direct mail and it it traditionally has been a declining industry about the past uh, 10 years and we are just we we grow every year which is a great thing so we're we're growing in a declining industry um and we're we're able to do that i think i think the only our competitors have pretty much the same equipment we do, right? We all have the same equipment. We all, we hopefully have some competitive advantages in that way, but we do a couple things that are, are different than our competitors. And I think other businesses can do things a little bit different and separate them from their competition. One of the things we do, which I think is the most important thing, and I learned this from my father-in-law, is we are... Uh, we share bonuses with our staff. And so that really uh, helps define our culture. Our culture is one that takes care of one another. We've got about 100, 105 employees and our culture is one that takes care of, of one another. Our culture is one that shares with one another. And it's a hard working culture and there's high expectations, but there's also that if you if you give me your best and, and help work, I'm going to share some profit with with you. So our production team just last week for the first quarter, they all got a bonus check, each one individually on the production team. So we've got about 60 folks on the production team. They all got a check for over four thousand dollars for the first quarter. And that's a formula of dividing up the profitability, then dividing it out by the number of production workers we have. Yeah, so, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 we want to do, and and what our goal is, Tommy and Paul, is to turn our employees, turn our staff into little mini business owners, so they think about, oh, if this was my business which it is their business, right? They get a percent of the net profit. And so we want to turn them into little little business owners that think like little business owners that think, oh, I can, you know, here's an opportunity for me to save money. Here's an opportunity for me to yeah. take the machine better. Here's an opportunity for me to to work real hard and affect the bottom line. And it's it's that's that's one of the major keys on the uh, developing all our culture, it's a culture of sharing uh, profits. Hey, Scott, do they, uh, for instance, and that, I think that's great. I've, I've, I've talked with a couple of my friends that own a business that I think that's something they should do and, and, and do it well. When you when you uh, you have this formula, does the formula show them exactly what's going For instance, let's say uh, your business is climbing, right? And the production team says, you know what? We need to, we need to add more help. 
So do they get to share in that decision of hiring a person and what that'll do to the profitability of the business? Um, yeah, to to a certain extent, sure. I, I'll have the final final word on stuff, and and sometimes I might have a bigger vision or know something that's going to come in, or or we're getting ready to lose a customer or something like that. But absolutely, we we really operate under the the saying uh, "best idea wins," right? And so the best idea sometimes comes from my office, and sometimes it comes from the the material handler, right? That's out, out moving materials on our production floor. I mean, it just, that's, that's an important thing in, in our culture too. I've, I've, we're real open book. So the production worker folks, the guy sitting on the machine can come in and, and get a copy of our financials so they can look at that. So I think that's, that's important also that they really understand how we make money and then how they're compensated and how they share in that money. Um, but we're, yeah, totally, totally open book. Best idea wins. That's one of the, the tenants that we, we, we try to listen to everybody and get feedback. And a lot of times if you do that, if you absolutely do that, then you'll, you'll, you'll gain a lot. I think as, as business owners, We've got to be real teachable and trainable, and sometimes that's not our our best qualities. But if I sit back and I'm teachable and trainable, and I listen to different ideas without just sharing my own, then then that's so helpful. I, I've got an example of that. We had a had a, a production. Uh, my operations director, he actually moved himself up to operations director. Our operations director came to me years ago with an idea, um, and it cost about $15,000 in software to do it. So I dismissed him and said we weren't, weren't, weren't doing that. And so he came back the next month, and again, I dismissed him. And then he came back the third month. And then I started listening to him more and more. I wasn't doing a great job of listening to him. So I started listening to him more and more and then got a whiteboard and drew everything out. Well, probably, and that, that happened a long time ago. And we bought that software and were able to, to offer this service. And we probably net 20, 20 to $25,000 a month off that and have been doing it 10 years. So just, I mean, it's just, it's things like that. So how much money has that made us over the last 10 years by listening to him and his idea versus me not, not doing that. Amazing. So the, the other quality is that I'm hearing is, yeah, you're the big daddy, you're the owner, but what you're saying is you don't have all the answers. And what that means is you have to have a little bit of humility to realize that best idea wins and maybe it's not always scott fish yeah for sure i i think we've got to get get away from our insecurities to think that we have to have all the answers and uh put our insecurities at, at bay and then let let other people they've they've got a different perspective than we do sitting in my office they've got a different perspective maybe on the production floor or in the warehouse or or through the sales department or whatever they've 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 got different and better ideas than I do by myself in a silo for sure. What's interesting to me too, is that what I like hearing about that in leadership and Tommy and I have talked about this before, both being sales managers 
you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have debate. You've, you've got to have those critical ideas come up and sometimes challenge you. Now, obviously in the end, it's your decision, but you got to welcome debate because sometimes that's where the best ideas come from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just take that, take that number, you know, $20,000 a month, that's $240,000 a year times. And that's net profit, right? That that guy gave me times 10 years is mm-hmm. what 2.4 million yeah I mean, a lot of money 2.4 million net profit yeah that he was able to give give me with that idea and yeah. i needed and and i'm thankful to him and i've told him multiple times just hey what a what a uh, thanks for coming back thanks for keeping coming back on that and and uh, <laughs> pursuing that because that you know that made a 2.4 million dollar and that he was able to share I'm able to share of that money and then our, our production staff able to share of that money also. That's a great lesson. So you have this comment or you had the comment earlier and I want to make sure I circled back. Uh, You said we are, I forget how you put it, but basically we're going to watch out for you. We watch out for each other. Uh, We, you know, we're family. So What's that look like? Give us an example. You don't have to mention names, but just kind of a situation that would give the give that some put some meat on the bone there. Yeah, I I probably get too involved in our employees' lives. I mean these these employees that you know I've I've still got the lady, two of the ladies. They're two sisters, um, and I hired them twenty eight years ago, and I've still got them working for us. Right, I've I've they were young ladies whenever I hired them. Right. And and I was a young, young man, whenever, and we're not so young anymore. And they've raised their kids and I've got to see that and gone to the quinceaneros of, of their kids. And, and, um, we, we, I, I get super involved in, in people's lives. Right. And that's, that's somewhat, it's easier as a business owner to stay, stay out of people's lives because just, you know, our own life included, people are not, it's not, it's not just all sunshine and roses all the time, right? People have difficulties and challenges and things like that, but we get involved in, in helping people. We provide chaplains um, that, that work, uh, that come in once a week and work with our, work with our staff. So they've, they've uh, married you know, they've, they've performed the wedding ceremony of, of some of our staff members. They've um, buried family members of some of our staff members. They've provided counsel and resources and things like that. So that's one of the things we've done. I probably have 12 cars that I've financed for, for our folks here. I like to see them succeed and make make good deals and some of these car companies just aren't great deals and they they so i'll finance a, a car for them and i was doing it three percent but i probably need to move move five percent yeah. now that 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 the the interest rates raised so much i actually own seven of my employees houses i'm just serve as the bank on their houses they have an opportunity to buy a house and and for seven of our employees I was able to come in and service the bank at a low interest rate um, to try to try to help them. They're able to get some houses. So it's just things like that that, that we get involved in um, and our our upper management gets involved in and helping helping people that helped us grow. Right. If you help somebody 
meet their goals, they will help you meet your goals. And we've seen that over and over again. So your retention rate has to be above industry. Oh, it's, it's, we, we just don't lose anybody. We've, we actually have never had an HR person until seven months ago and we hired her and that was her comment. She came in and she said, oh my gosh, she said, I thought I'd be like spending all my time you know, hiring people and replacing people. And she was like, I, I, she's hired one person since she's been here seven months ago. That's really impressive. The other thing you're, you're low, you probably have so much loyalty from, from your, your, your staff and, and your, all the people that are, you know, different departments. But let me ask you a different question that maybe is not as rosy and, and fun to listen to for a lot of people, but it's real life. So what do you, how do you handle a situation when somebody's just not a fit and they're disruptive and they're just a bad for, they're, let's say they're bad for your culture? How do you approach that? Well, I mean, we're, we, and this is one of those things I've learned through the years, right? We um, are slow to hire. I think this is the, I think, Tommy, you just ask a question that is so key, right? So key to having a successful business. And it's, and it's one of the most important things you can do. It actually is the most important thing you can do. You've got to hire well, right? You hire slow, hire well, do work and really, really, really work to hire, hire good people. And I always say, just hire somebody that you feel like you can have them spend the weekend at your house, that you're not concerned leaving your kids with them and, and, and you're not concerned leaving, leaving your house open to them. Just hire that kind of quality person. And so hire, hire slow and hire well and then fire quickly, right? Somebody lets you know, usually within the first two weeks, They'll let you know whether they do what they say they're going to do or whether they're full of excuses and, and problems like that. So we really try to do that. And and whenever I was first, all these things are so learned, Tommy, right? You know, it's it's whenever I was first starting a business, probably for my first 10 years, I hated terminating people. I was in turmoil. I wouldn't sleep the night before. Um, and I felt like it was my fault and I felt just, just absolutely terrible about it. The person could be lighting things on fire and I'd still feel angst and terrible and not sleep the night before when I had to terminate them. And that's, that's just not the case anymore, right? I, I, I feel like, and most business owners are reasonable people and they have expectations that they need met and, and, you know, they've got a whole bunch of other people meeting those expectations. So when someone comes in and can't meet them, it's, it's, it, you know, it's just, it's not fair to keep them around. So we just get rid of them really quick. So hire slow, fire fast. And the great thing about the bonus program is we've, we've started this little business owner thing where it's like our bonus program. And, and if we hire someone on the production floor and they're on the bonus program, well, they take a part of the bonus. So people want people that we hire to be very productive. And so when they're not very productive, we learn about it quick and they basically get chased off. We don't wow. even have to hardly fire them because they get, they, they, it's it's not a warm, welcome place if you're not pulling your weight out there. Yeah, it's part of the culture. And, and what I've seen with leaders, owners, whatever, 
if they don't take the action and fire quickly, it's a morale issue because you're sending a signal of, hey, mediocrity is is okay in this culture and they're over there busting their hump and you're not taking care of business for them. Yep. Yep, for sure. Just so, so important to really do your homework. There's a, there's a, there's an article called top grading that I read years ago. It's called top grading. I can't remember the guy's name that wrote it. I think it's a book also. And it's really about hiring well. And it's, it's a formula um, of questionnaires. And, and it's like, how do you take your time to hire something well and really do due diligence about hiring somebody? And if you do that, you're more successful, of course, in your hiring percentages. It's it's such an absolute mess. You know, Paul and, and Tom, you guys have managed folks before, and you know how much of a, a disruption and a mess it is to hire somebody bad that causes chaos, right? So, Paul, are you you what do you got some thoughts on this topic? I think and and the slow to hire is awesome advice. The other advice I think that's hardest for young managers, and Scott, you said you struggled with it also, is firing quickly. And I see people struggle with that, with that uh, even experienced managers today. And the thing they don't realize, is, I'm going to add one little other thing to that. You're not doing that employee any favors by keeping him on. I mean, he's not going to grow, right? He's not going to uh, learn or, or move into any different potential. He needs to learn right away that he has to change his ways. And if you keep him on, it's not doing that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, it just, it sets a whole culture up, right? We've got good people that work hard. And then if we by chance get somebody, we, we don't do a good job hiring somebody. We, we just make a correction fast. And people appreciate that so much and, and understand that so much better than if we kept them on and let them cause chaos in our organization. I mean, the only difference between us, and I don't know if I've said this before or not, but really I want to emphasize that point. The only difference between us and our competitors, we have the same machinery and everything, but the big difference between us and our competitors are the people that we have. We had a potential uh, customer come in here about a year ago, and he, he had been at one of our competitive shops here in Dallas. And then he came over to our, our facility. Well, he comes into our facility and we're giving him a tour. He's, he's a guy that's a, one of our customers now and he gives us lots of work. Um, and so he's taking a tour. I'm taking a tour with him, walking through. And, and at the end of the tour, I'm like, well, what, what do you think? We'd love, to, we'd love to have your business. Do you think we could help you? And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, I actually, actually you, I said, great. I said, what do you, what do you like about us? And he said, you actually won my business when I pulled up in your parking lot. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? What, 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 what are you talking about? And so he said, well, he said, I pulled up in their competitor's parking lot and cars are just a mess, right? They're old. They're not taken care of, you know, and, and, he said, I'm, I'm sure that the company, your competitor, doesn't provide good health care for their staff and, and their cars are, are, are old, so he's not paying them anything or taking care of them. And he said, I just come in here and get a total different feel. And he said, that's, that's going to be the difference on whether or not your people take care of my job or not, is how good of a job you do taking care of them. And so we were able to win a customer that gives us probably over $200,000 a month, every month. That's impressive because you're probably in the most 
transactional business that I know. I mean, that you're you're splitting pennies, right? So right. Right. It's, it's nice to have an advantage beyond the dollars and cents. They look at the bigger picture. So I noticed uh, you made a comment about being proactive, not reactive. So tell us about that. Yeah, I think I think you've got just like a hiring and firing and things like that. You've got to be proactive in that. I I think it's a challenge for business owners to sit back and analyze stuff too much and not be proactive and go ahead and make decisions. Each day you're given uh, a, an opportunity to make multiple decisions about things. Um, I've heard, I've read where it's about if you if you are above seventy percent in accurate decision making like for instance 70 percent of your decisions turn out to be the right decision that you're you're knocking the ball out of the park and, and doing pretty well um one time i had lunch with a guy who was who worked with mark cuban for years he was on the one of the one of his startup companies he worked for him and 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 i was i was just asking him what what it was like to work for cuban and he said, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. He said he has about the same batting percentage as the rest of us do in making decisions. Um, so his difference between us and, and like a guy, a billionaire like that, he said he, he made decisions at like record speed time, right? He wouldn't sit there and overanalyze stuff and, and, make it more complex than it needs to be. You just make a decision and keep moving forward. And I thought, I always thought that was, I always kind of thought that's a, that's, that's something interesting. So I think you can get ground down and, and, and just, just tied up with, with not being able to make decisions or, or you can have about the same rate of success, yeah. make them, make them quicker. Yeah. It's a fine line in there. You know, you, you hear the opposite, do your homework, be analytical, look at the data, and then there's the other side of the coin. You, know, you get into the paralysis by analysis is what you're talking about. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've seen it in my own career in life. Uh, it is a balance. And there are times that you just have to make a decision. And uh, I've had a former boss tell me this, you know, just make a freaking decision, you know. And that is a problem in, in uh in business, you see all these KPIs and all this analytics and Tableau and CRM, and it's exhausting. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Um, and, you know, I, I I remember years ago, this guy had a thing called the book and the plan. I think, Paul, you probably knew who I'm talking about. And I was talking to this guy one day. I said, you know, these guys out here playing basketball that just dunked over all of us, do you think they had a book on the plan or think they just went out there and played with instinct? He's like, ah, well, yeah, but we need a book and a plan. I'm like, okay, sounds good, but we're going to get our butts kicked out there. If we spend too much time on the book and the plan, we just need to go see customers. Right. So I remember that that resonated. Paul, what do you think? I agree. A hundred percent. I've, I've been with companies where sometimes the owners have procrastinated so much on a decision where it would have been key for growing their business that that it, it didn't come to fruition. And guess what? They didn't grow. So absolutely. So Scott, just to get off the 
I'm, I'm sure the kids, our kids are listening to this like, okay, dad, I got it. You know, tell me something I don't know. You know, I can just see our kids out there. So let me ask you something just wild hair different. So if you could go up to Scott Fish in 10th grade in Yukon, I mean, what would you tell him? Like if you could take him off to the side, hey, let's go to lunch. I need to have a chat with you. What What would you tell that 15-year-old or however old you were? Right. Besides get a different haircut. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, yeah. Yeah, I think I think just, you know, and, and fortunately we had, you know, we grew up in the same community. And fortunately, there are a lot of good people there telling us with wise counsel, right? Just just giving us wise counsel a lot of times. And I had really good parents and, and um, was appreciative of, of, of that. You know, it's just doing what you say you're going to do. Um, honesty, integrity, and, and all that. Doing what you say you're going to do. And I, I think this is an important part. And I always tell my kids this, is that don't, don't let other people define you, right? Don't don't let other people tell you that it's not going to work or not going to do. You just figure it out, and if you want it, right? If you really want it, you're going to make it happen and and do it. I mean, I had so many people when I was starting the business, right? Tell me it's just not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. You don't have any money. You don't have any resource. You don't have any knowledge of it. You do. You, it's it's not going to work. And it's it's just, you know, people try to put stuff in your head and it's just if you let them, that's a that's a problem. So don't let other people define you or put stuff in your head and 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 be around good people that that want you to succeed and want you to grow and and. I think I think that's that's part of it. It's just it's going to be fine too, right? In the tenth grade, I think you're you're just trying to figure life out, and you're just so focused on whether or not you you know just whatever about caring about other other people's thoughts and things about you. And, and at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. Just do your do your thing, work hard, and it's going to work out, right? And you've got to keep you know you've got to you've got to things on how to how to how will your how will you measure your life, right? I think that's something we need to start looking at early. And that's something I try to look at um, a lot and think about how my actions or how my life I I want at the at the end of my life, I want to be able to to have had an influence on my family and other people and my employees and a good good influence and and so um, I think the metric on our how our life needs to be judged is is how how many people are you able to help and and how many people are you able to to care for and and are you leaving this you know leaving 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 life better is your family better because of you are your friends better because of you are your employees better because of you and I know that would be a lot for a tenth grader to handle but just just it, things are going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. While we're on the personal side, if you don't mind, I, I, and I've got to ask this, because I noticed in your bullet points, you listed one great wife, Robin, right? And Tom and I, we're both on our first great wives, right? I'm, I'm going on 45 years. But it's interesting for me, and I got to ask you, because your first years of building this business, working as many, and you were a husband and wife team. And I think Tommy and I can say in our business, we've seen 
so many examples where that just didn't work out. What, what did you do during those tough times where you're together all the time, working a business and, and, and just living together? How did you keep that marriage successful? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, and Tom, Tom knows my wife and, and knows that if, if we had a problem or split up or anything, it would definitely be my fault and not her fault. She is she is just terrific and, and she's got a lot of flexibility and and um, I think it was important for her to see her dad go down the entrepreneurial path and the ups and downs of that and then the eventual payoffs of that that he was able to to accomplish. Um, so she would you know, she she didn't work in the business. She actually she's a physical therapist, so she worked outside. So she she was the 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 funder of the business. So she made money um, and kept us, you know, in an apartment and she, and, and at first, uh, hopefully it's past the, past me getting in trouble so I can, I can tell this story, but she would cash her paycheck um, every two weeks and she'd cash her paycheck and I'd get her to cash it at noon so I could make payroll that night. So she she'd cash her paycheck and I didn't even know how to do payroll. This is how humble and and just un you know unsophisticated I was. I didn't know how to do a, a, a real payroll. So I just gave out cash for the first three months of our business. So she'd she'd make money, she'd cash her paycheck, she'd bring her paycheck down to me at lunchtime, and I'd I'd take I'd take her cash and then I'd pay my staff. Um, yeah, no wonder they stayed around. I mean, that's a good way to get paid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> were mad when I actually switched over and started paying taxes. <laughs> that's awesome. Now I can tell you, Robin's over the top, awesome, uh, just incredible. So Scott, uh, about out of time and and really incredible uh, that you came on and excited. So get us caught up. Like you're not dead. We're not dead. What's going on now. And what are you looking to in the future? Yeah, I think, I think the future, the future is, is, is good. I think we've got to look at it like that and excited about continuing to, to uh, grow TriWin. And I, I, I don't necessarily know if we want to get, you know, bigger as a company. I mean, 2 million pieces a day is a lot of, a lot of mail coming through here. I'm real happy with our our size of our building we've got a 60,000 square foot building here in the middle of Dallas and and um, for us to take another leap I need another you know probably eight million dollars worth of equipment and get another big giant building and things like that so life is life is really really good at the size of company we're at right now but that does not mean uh, that we're not going to um, continue to grow in other ways, right? We want to get better in other other things. Everyone thinks, you know, you're, you're growing means just the sales of it. You know, you've got more sales over over the year before. But I think we can be just as successful if we we continue growing, but not necessarily. You know, we're growing our people, we're growing our our systems, we're growing our. So I'm excited about Trilin in that regard. We're we've worked hard to get it to this point and i just want to i i want to stay here at in the in, at the time and just grow in different ways other than just more more pieces per day because that means so much more um 
to us as a business. Excited about family stuff. I've got a daughter getting married in August, and so super excited about that. And we like her, her fiance very much. And she's down at Sanford in grad school. And then my uh, middle daughter, we were able to go to Texas A&M this last week, and she did a concert at a at a restaurant slash bar called the Tap. And so she she um, has a little band and, and they played uh, in front of 500 college kids. So it was, it was, it was a, a great. It was 500 college kids and my wife and I sitting in the audience there. So that was, that was fun. It, it felt like, felt like we were back in college, which is a total, total of fun. And then my son's just do, I'm, I'm living life through him right now and enjoying that. He's, he loves sports, loves playing football, loves playing basketball. And so I enjoy participating in all, all of those. I'm here in three weeks. I'm going to take uh, 13 of his fellow uh, rising senior football players and 13 of their dads. And I've organized a trip and we're going to go down to Guatemala and install stoves and water filters in the Mayan Indian community. And so we're looking forward to a lot of, a lot of things as, as I will. I know, I know you guys. Wow. That's impressive. I didn't know you were doing that. That's, uh, yeah. That's well, amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm not going just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'll, I'll take care of Robin and your family while you're away. <laughs> no, no, that's great. Uh, again, Scott, good stuff. And, uh, we'll probably have you on again, uh, hopefully, and uh, get some other life under your belt. Maybe we talk about that that uh, trip you're taking. Uh, yeah, so that is really good. So thanks for listening today. Spread the word. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Please share with your friends and family. Uh, if you have any comments, feedback, uh, we have an email. It's uh, oldbulls at outlook.com. Oldbulls at outlook.com. Thanks for listening today.